center. That ball is gone. It's a monument park. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the 33rd episode of the Monument Bark Podcast. If somebody had knocked on Luke and I's dorm room door and say late March and told us that the Yankees would be the first team in Major League Baseball to reach 50 wins, I personally would have questioned that person's mental state. Now, if he had told us that we were on June 22nd, 12 games up on the Toronto Blue Jays, 12 and a half games up on the Boston Red Sox, and 13 games up on the Tampa Bay Rays, I I still would have been questioning it. What if this hypothetical guy told us that the second best team in the American League, the Houston Astros, would be seven and a half games back of us, the number one seed? Oh, and our 15 and 18 record would be the best in Major League Baseball. I probably would have looked at him and smacked him because that sounds like nonsense to me. I would have totally not believed that nonsense, like I said, and it's been unfreaking believable because whatever that hypothetical guy said came true. Luke, put it into words, man. Can you even put it into words? Getting the 50 wins before 20 losses is like a joke. And there have been expectations going into past years. Like 2018, if you told me that this was happening, I would have been like, yeah, we just went to the ALCS. We just got Stan. Like, we're the best ever. But this year, this year looked like a team that was good enough to keep us in the race for the division, like going into late summer, September. It looked like a team that could compete for a division. But we're killing these teams. And a lot of it was inflated expectations for other teams. And then a lot of it was also lack of expectations for us. So it was the perfect combination of this not being the year. And so far, I mean, we're running through this division. We're currently in the hardest stretch we're going to have to play. And we're doing fine. Like, we're doing good still. We still have 18 losses June. We get to July with less than 20. Like, obviously, we probably won't. It's We got a lot more games until July. But if we get to July with less than 20, 22 losses, that would be, like, probably a record. So, I... I really I've never experienced something like this. Even 2009, we were slow out the gate, so it didn't feel like this. Like we just win every we win every night. We win every night. And, you know, a lot of people say just like sit back and enjoy it. Like, you know, because it's it's a long season. And I feel like the Yanks are just going to run away with this. They're just going to coast into the playoffs. The second half of the year is going to be kind of boring. And. You know, what's going to be interesting is what they do at the deadline and then how those guys play and then what, like, the moving parts. That's the only thing that interests me in the second half of the year because, you know, we've we've played a majority of our division games. We haven't played all the Boston games. Maybe those will, you know, start to mean more when they come along. But, I mean, this has just been such an enjoyable start. And this Yankee team has so many storylines. And it's just... It's just awesome. I mean, you could run through the whole roster and be like, yeah, like you could tell a story about each and every player, about how how they came into the season, like what what the peripheral was for the season for them. And, you know, some guys didn't have a peripheral. Maybe there was just nothing for them, like Matt Carpenter. I mean, in AAA on the Rangers, like there's no outlook there. You got like Jersey Shore kid, Ron Marinaccio, like who knows, like. I can go on and on. Nestor Cortez, it's just just like there's something new every day. This team finds a way to win every day, a different way to win every day. And I'm I'm just kind of speechless. That's that's the thing, too, where it's like sometimes we'll win a game 6-5, higher scoring. And then when we score three runs, the other team will score two or one or zero. Like it doesn't – it just hasn't mattered. We won games – every way possible and we're just inventing new ways to win at this point it's it's great and one one note i haven't gotten an updated um because we're we're 15 18 this is when we were 49 17 and i couldn't find an updated one but that 49 and 19 sorry 49 and 17 start is the second best in franchise history and that's i mean that's that's also i mean it's the new york yankees it's not like we're the 
you know, Minnesota Twins, and we don't have much of a history. I mean, this team is is historic. Like we're doing big things early on. It's just a matter of closing out. And, you know, number one on our goal list is to move some stuff around at the deadline and then it's lock up the top seed and then close out. Um, So we talked a while ago. I think the last episode was June 7th. So a little bit over two weeks ago, we went into Minnesota and we took two out of three. Now, the starting pitching in all three of the games was suspect. You know, you're playing a division leader, good hitting team, and you get three mediocre at best, sorry, two mediocre at best, one horrible start. And it was a weird feeling because it was like, okay, like we just played like a legitimate offense, a team that's like winning their division. Yes, it's the twins. And yes, we took two out of three. But what's going on? Because it's Tyone. Like we we've seen GMO pitch pretty bad. We've seen. We know that Nestor was once human, um, so that was a little weird. But we did take two out of three, and we the hit a Cole ton of one runs. was bad. That what? was the only one. The Cole one. That was the only one where I actually like rose an eyebrow. Like it made sense. Like Tyone got hit a little bit. Like that was another thing. Neither him or Nestor like imploded. No, they just weren't like to the uh, standard they have been, which is crazy. Yeah, but I mean, Garrett Cole gave up three home runs on the first like five pitches of the game. That was I, that was actually concerning because he had nothing, and then two more. Yeah, like we, we still can't won. go into a game where we have to win, and Garrett Cole has nothing. Yep. ever like that can't happen. So I don't know. He's bounced back since then, but that. You can't have that. That's something I no. can't see again. You can't see it, but it's funny because like I like we said in the open, this team finds new ways to win. Still and that night was just hit a bunch of home runs with two of the least uh scary hitters in the lineup with Hicks and Gallo. So and Gallo hit two and Hicks hit one. So that was a pretty uh interesting, interesting ball game because when when your starting pitcher gives up five home runs, no matter who that starting pitcher is, and your team's able to say, "Hey, so and so, we got your back. We're not out of this." It's a it's a pretty good feeling. Um, somebody who has really, really, really came on in the last say month, maybe over a month, is Glaber Torres. This guy is so back. This guy is. Back to being awesome. Let me read you his last 30 games. Luke, can I read you his last 30 games? You can do whatever you like. He's hitting 282 with eight home runs, 14 RBIs. He's a 331 on base percentage and a 591 slugging percentage. That's a 922 OPS, if I do math correctly. And it's in 110 at bats. 24 run score. This guy is doing everything right. He's top five in the MLB at second base, defensive runs saved. He's doing it all. He's doing it all. He's back to second base. Everyone's prediction that going back to second base would fix him has looked to be true. And he's just a much more comfortable player. He's back to his 2019 self. He might not be hitting all the home runs against the Orioles. He's actually hitting home runs against legitimate ball clubs, legitimate pitching. And I mean, one of the things that we said at the beginning of the beginning of the year was if Glaber Torres is on and you, you know, combine that with, you know, our boppers, Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, Donaldson, so on and so forth, this team's going to be really good. And you could just, Look at the standings. What would you have said at the beginning of the year? Because there was a lot of debates. We had five infielders. There's four infield positions. And out of the three that can play, like up to like second, short, and third, or second and third is kind of like the debated ones. There's Glaber, DJ, and Donaldson. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know what I mean? Like those three for two spots. And Glaber's at the top of those three. 
like I would have been like, you're out of your mind. Cause yeah. like what? But he is like kind of significantly. Yeah. Like right now he's locked in every single day. Every day. Except for so, yesterday when they played him at shortstop. Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> I hope they never do that. Never. 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 Back to second base. Yeah, that, to, I mean, it wasn't you're right. like you're like, right. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. the one above the other two. Like now it's DJ and Donaldson for a spot, which is nuts. I never I, would have predicted that. I knew that if they gave him at bats, that was obviously his best chance at, at and getting going. And do you remember earlier in the season when they would just sit him on random days? Like hmm. he's playing every day. He's a role on this team. It's locked in and he's just making the most out of it. And this is the guy that I want. He was a guy that I was thinking like, like maybe like he plays like better this year. We move him because he's still super young, super controllable, lots of value, sort of. But now it's like, I just want him on the Yanks. Like this is, this is the guy that was my favorite player for, you know, two, three seasons and then kind of took a turn for the worse. So Personally, I love it. I'm I'm a, I'm a big labor guy. I always have been, and his defense at second base has been really, just really good. So, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what else to say. He's just He's really back. good. Like that's He's what back. it is. He's exactly. back. He's not yeah. really walking, but his last seven games, he's got a 4.23 on base percentage. So he's getting on base yeah. a lot more. He's hitting 3.48 over the last seven games. We, like I we got some give and take with. His rise and DJ's kind of like not like the other way. Stag, they kind of crossed a little bit. It's like, yeah. uh-oh. It's it's almost like DJ's having the same season as he was last year. His numbers are very, very similar. Higher, OP, higher OPS, the home runs are probably – he'll probably hit a little more home runs. But the batting average is just so – just not, not there, mm. you know? You pulled up his savant. The barrel percentage is what is it's, concerning. Yeah, it's hurting him. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's at 32%. And it makes sense, too. It does make sense. But then if you combine the barrel percentage with the expected batting average, which is in the 84th percentile. So DJ, yeah, how's that? It, it's it's just because that's kind of the player he was. He was a big, bigger barrel guy, obviously, in his better years. But it kind of just shows how good of a hitter and I know he's hitting 260 right now, but he's supposed to be hitting according to the expected batting average 290, which is 31 points higher than his actual batting average. And it was pretty similar Mm -hmm. last year. He's one of the most unlucky hitters in baseball. So the fact that he's not really barreling every and like everything and his expected batting average is still high. I still have hope. Because once he starts barreling these baseballs, his ex- expected batting average is going to mm. grow, grow, and so is his actual average. And I hope by the end of the season, just from the expected batting average alone compared to his average, it kind of levels out and we get a 275 to 280 DJ. Because I think that's really good. Now you look at his other peripherals, 94th percent in whiff rate, 93% in K rate. Like this guy's not striking out. He's got a 69th percentile in walk rate. He's still walking. He knows the zone. That, that's something he'll always do, and he won't strike out. And that's what we want at the top of the order. Now, it's just getting aboard and setting up, setting the table for the rest of the hitters. If he turns all – he keeps hitting ground balls to second base. Like, I feel like he just does it every game, at least once. If he just turns those to the base hit to right fields, like if yep. he just barrels those and hits them to right field like he had been doing mm-hmm. the last couple of years, I think what you said about – barrel percentage and expected batting average. Like, I don't like to live and die by these stats, but it simply shows there's a lot of room to grow for him. Yeah. Where so, it's not like he's barreling everything and just not getting hits, because then that would be a whole other confusion yeah. and change. Like, I definitely think yep. there is some room to grow. I think the exit velo could grow too. The average exit velo is yeah. right around average, which I think also barreling it, obviously – correlates so that makes sense as well right but it's i just think it's it's some it's some adjustments he's got to make some adjustment adjustments and he's and he's he's gonna figure it out he's a smart guy he he knows how to hit in this league he's won batting titles in both the american league and national league um i think the thing about dj is 
a lot of teams used to shit. And Luke and I talked about this the other night when I had my hour-long DJ call with Luke. Teams used to shift this guy, and they don't really do that anymore. They play him straight up. So the game has kind of changed a little bit for him. Um, you would think that you'd start hitting the ball better um, with the shift. Or, sorry, without the shift. Yeah, but the thing is, DJ was beating the shift left and right when he was when he was on in 2019, 2020. So here he is getting played straight up. He's not really the same kind of hitter. Um, he's kind of hitting the the ball in the spots where they weren't, um, and he still is. It's like he hasn't really changed. It's just they're in the right spot. So if DJ's gonna be our leadoff man, which some will say is probably our only option realistically in a playoff series on the roster. Currently I need his on base percentage to be at least three fifty. Uh, that's just, that's just my, my line for a lead off man. It's currently three forty one. Like I've been saying, I think it's going to change. I think his average is going to get up to two seventy five, two eighty by the end of the season. He'll uh, on base percentage will hopefully be in the three sixty three seventies. I think that really successful teams need on base or have on base freaks at the top of the order. And like I just said, I hope DJ can turn things around. So I'm not opposed to batting judge leadoff or hitting judge leadoff. I like I'm not. It's just like obviously it goes against the traditional norm. And obviously the way he's been swinging the bat, it makes sense to get him more at bats at the top of the lineup. But if you go into a playoff, series batting Aaron judge leadoff just doesn't just doesn't work you gotta bat judge in a spot where you're gonna get some guys on if that's second if that's third second's cool third's cool we want guys on base for judge I know his postseason numbers aren't great but the thing in the postseason is and you know this is why we lose a lot because we don't hit enough home runs in the postseason we kind of just go dead and hit some home runs but you know, home runs with runners on base are so huge. So getting judge up with a chance to hit a home run with two, three guys on, that's what we want. And batting him first, the bottom of our order has proven to be pretty, pretty bad. So he's not going to come up with a bunch of guys on base. It's kind of yeah. like a, it's, it's a solid idea during the regular season. You know, you bat him lead off, you set up, set up your guys behind him. But I just can't see that in the playoffs. If we trade, for another lefty, like we've talked about Ben Attendee a ton, perhaps another option. Like there's lefties out there to get. I could see Rizzo as well. Yeah. Like less that's kind of the similar thing where he hits like Rizzo's on pace for like 40 plus home runs right now. Yeah. Like again, you still want people you up with want. him on base, but he I mean, I don't know what numbers say, but he feels like are most likely to like walk too. Yeah. Like, I mean, he works, he works at bats. He does he's dangerous with the bat, but he's also always capable of walking. Like yeah. that's always part of his game. So I think if we got Ben attend, I don't know. It's just hard because we don't have enough lefties. I mean, Rizzo's like, got 29 walks, 49 strikeouts. It's a solid, it's a solid, uh, he's got a 338 on base percentage. So it's like, it's, it's, it's deceiving for it's sure, just, but it's, it's deceiving. I just think like, like you were saying before with Rizzo, it's like, he's, he's always got a chance to hit one into the, yeah, you know, no, I changed my mind because right he hits with, yeah. He, like but I said, was also he, considering that too. Didn't they bat him lead off in the wild card game? Or am I totally wrong about that? I'm pretty sure they did because it wasn't judge and DJ wasn't playing. So um, I'm pretty sure they bet. Makes lead off. sense. But so, he's also great with runners in scoring position, too. Yeah. So like for I, the most part. So I don't want to do that. It's a similar thing. Yeah. Obviously, Judge is the better hitter. Um, but you want kind of rot Rizzo in that maybe two, three, four, or five range. So if you go and trade for Ben and which is kind of the popular belief, uh, mm. it's the preferred uh trade candidate for a lot of people and probably myself. You're not going to go trade for Andrew Benintendi solely to bat him lead off because yeah, his no. on base percentage this year is only 
you know, 15 points higher than DJ's. And I, and like I've been saying, I think DJ is going to get it up. So I just don't think Ben and really like a guy that you're just going to stick in bat and lead off. And he's been a fine lead off hitter in his career. He's a 263 lead off hitter. Pretty sure his OPS is just under 800. So that's great. And he's done it quite a bit. I think he's 76 starts in the leadoff spot in his career. But Ben Intendi's a guy that you're probably going to bat sixth or seventh, you know, get him lower part of the order. So, so you have a more, you know, long lineup. So it's just not going to be Ben Intendi in the leadoff spot. I don't think it's realistic to think that you're going to go to the deadline and just pick up a leadoff hitter. I said that yeah. really good teams have on base freaks at the top of the lineup on base freaks that know the zone and, and mostly get hits. So, it's not like a Joey Gallo kind of idea last year where you're going to go get a guy who walks a bunch and put him at the top of the order because that clearly didn't work. It's got There's got to be a balance there, and Joey Gallo didn't have a balance, and he didn't bat at the top of the order, so I don't know why I'm bringing him up. But More like Hicks. They, Hicks. There was a conversation, yeah. even some this year, I think. He's another one. He just doesn't like get enough hits. He doesn't get enough hits. And it's like, Which but is, here's yeah. the thing. like If the guy, and this is kind of a funny way to look at it, if the guy's not going to hit with runners in scoring position, I almost want him up at the top of the order because you know the bottom half of the order is not going to get on. Like the, hmm. the eight, nine guys are not going to get on consistently. So if you bat Hicks lead off, maybe could... against maybe against you know lefties only, maybe you, you sneak him up there. I don't know. I just want to see DJ thrive in the role that he's paid to you know play in. And he's been our leadoff man for four seasons. And I want or four or five seasons now. And, and I really want him to, you know, like I said, get at the top of the order, set the table for the boppers. And, you know, I have confidence in number 26. One like devil's advocate thing about Ben attendee hitting leadoff was you go say Ben attendee, judge Rizzo mm -hmm. late in the game. You're going to or like mid to late in the game. You're going to get judge a lot of at bats against lefties. Yeah or it could prevent them from bringing in lefties to face that three for Ben Attendee mm -hmm. and Rizzo because Judge is there and you got mm -hmm. to throw three batters. So I think that would either benefit Judge significantly or Rizzo significantly. So I think that could be something where in terms of matchups, that uh, just something that doesn't show up on paper, but we do see wanna, it when it's happening. Do you want to hear something interesting? Because I, uh -huh. I was just looking it up. Aaron Judge this season against left-handed pitching is hitting 211, but against righties, he's hitting 339. So he's got complete reverse splits. I get what you're saying there. That's Stanton's just stupid. Stanton's Why does he hit 200 against left? I don't know. I and I'm not trying to be that guy to point that no, out. No, that completely that good because I would have thought, oh, sick, that's gonna happen. And yeah. then we would get yeah, no. Stanton's okay. more the guy, and you know, I don't really want Stanton hitting at all right now, but Stanton's more the guy that you stick kind of sandwich in between lefties because he he like career-wise kills lefties like that's his that's his game but for yeah for some reason i mean for as good judges playing he's yeah, got a seven, 766 ops against um lefties and 90 plate appearances but in 199 plate appearances the guy's hitting 339 with 19 home runs 36 rbis and an 1136 ops so there's just a complete drop off with that just so, weird. so when DJ gets it together and we run out DJ, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, Ben Attendee, Glaber, we just will never lose. Because they're, they're not going to go out of their way to just pitch a lefty against Aaron Judge. Like, it's not something like you're you're going to go for the righty-righty matchup because then you're facing DJ. Like, you know, it's like. But I'm saying, yeah, no, I was just saying like after no, yeah. DJ where it's like the three in a or Ben, like. Yeah. They would bring in, they would avoid bringing a lefty, but they wouldn't. But then if it's Rizzo, Stanton, Ben attendee, I think that again, that still plays like that's still something that oh, yeah. teams are gonna have to think about. So, yeah, mm -hmm. man, we need we need that one more piece. It we really do. feels like Ben attendee, and I think that would obviously we don't need it for the regular season, but yeah, you got to kick it up like a gear in the playoffs. Another so. guy, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, I do. Another guy that that's interesting because he hits and he gets on base and it's someone that we've talked about a lot is Ian Happ. This guy is hitting a switch hitter, 289 average, 
He's got an on-base percentage of 387. And he's has an OPS of 854, which I believe is the exact same as Anthony Rizzo's. Seven home runs, 32 RBIs. He's got five steals this year, but 36 walks and 52 strikeouts. It's a, it's they may a, do that. That might be the They move. may do that. He Look, might just I wouldn't be, be mad at. Yeah, no, it's like it's like a 1A, 1B type. Like they sure get either. That's, that works, that works better yeah. a little bit. It does work better than Ben Attendee. It's going to be a little more expensive than Ben Attendee, but it works better. And we're looking for, you know, we're going all out. He's got an OPS plus of 139. It's, he's a legitimate player. Um, Ian, Happ is, Ian Happ's a move. I'm just scared, and they might not do this because they might try to squeeze the, you know, what out of the value out of Contreras, you know, Hap, maybe even David Robertson. I don't know how much they're going to get for, for David Robertson, but, um, they might just try to trade them individually. I'm scared Houston's going to try to trade for Hap and Contreras, but you know, it's it's a move that the Yankees should really consider making because it would it would it would really be good at the top of the order. Now, if you sandwich DJ up with two power hitters, I think it works beautifully because DJ gets on, then you got another power hitter. I don't want to put DJ next to like an IKF or or like. Like even like an Aaron Hicks, because like if DJ gets on, like Hicks is Hicks does nothing with runners on. So it's like, yeah, it would have to be Hicks above DJ, which that's just lunacy. It's like it's like I wish you could just put DJ in between Rizzo and Stanton, but that just wouldn't make that just doesn't align with the lineup. You couldn't do that. I guess you could. Yeah, unless you hit him. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I I really don't. Don't know how they would work that out, but Hap's a switch hitter, and I and I do like that at the top of the lineup. And most switch hitters are good against only one side of the play. I'll I'll, I'll confirm that. Um, you know, yeah. he's been pretty solid against both sides. He's got over an o- OPS of over eight hundred against both sides. Um, as a left-handed batter, he's hit two sixty-four in two hundred and ten plate appearances, and as a as a right-handed batter, he's hitting three sixty. So there's it is a steep decline, but it's a hundred points. But he still has an 800 OPS against right-handed or uh, against right-handed pitching, and that's what you're going to face most. So yeah, it, it no, would be. I like that one too. I do. I I, I do too. Um, Whoever we get, Houston's going to get the other one. Yeah, probably. So. Probably. So, so that brings us. You know, we're talking about the Cubs. Then we went on to sweep the Cubs back at home. So you take two out of three from the Twins. You come back. I forgot the series even happened. Yeah, no, it was, it was just so a, relevant. Like it was so relevant. Just, it was the easiest series we'll probably play all year. Easier than the Orioles series. Um. So, one thing that stuck out to me in a, an article came out in the New York Post, and we faced. Is his name Matt Swarmer? Is that his name? So yeah, Matt Swarmer like started. That. The game against Severino, I believe it was the second game of the series. Yeah, Matt Swarmer. He's, you know, he's a rookie. Um, he is 28 years old, but he is a rookie. So he comes in and we hit, I think, five or six solo home runs off him or some something crazy. And there was an article in the post. Steve Serby does these Q and A's. And this one was, you know, spotlighted on Matt Carpenter. And when Matt Carpenter was asked about his first time playing in Yankee Stadium, he wanted he went on to say this: "There's an all factor, especially with younger players. You got younger players having to pitch for the first time in Yankee Stadium, and that's a big deal. And a lot of times, it ends up being a major factor in performance as far as swaying it towards the Yankees side. So, no doubt, is it a hard place to play for younger players? But there was something about what he said that just made me feel different about this group of guys. And maybe it's just Matt Carpenter. In the past, and I used to talk about it all last year, we yeah. probably got mm-hmm. sick of it. When we would face guys that we had never seen before, regardless of home, away, on Jupiter, whatever, in a cornfield, uh, we wouldn't hit. We wouldn't hit. Like we just wouldn't hit guys that we never saw before. And typically it would be younger pitchers this year. It's just totally different. We've got veterans who, who just know, know the zone, know how to hit and just take advantage of these young guys. Like we haven't got shut yeah, down by like, like a young pitcher. 
What? Like they they look like yeah. prey out there. Like every at bat, you think is going to be a bomb. It's crazy. It really is. It's that's true, though. Just got, that's how it always yeah. should be. Yeah, that that's right. So you know, that's just something that he said. Matt Carpenter he hasn't really played a lot lately, which I don't really understand. Like I really don't understand. Like I feel like this guy hasn't played in two weeks, and he's probably played once or twice. Um, he needs to be in the lineup like more. Like we're up twelve games on the second place team. Can 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 he start getting? We just got to get DJ and Donaldson going. I think that's why he's not playing. Yeah. You like they're right. both kind of off, right. so yeah. Yeah, I mean it'll it'll work its way in, but you know, and, yeah. This Cubs series, I mean, I was at the first game. Yep. It was so boring. We just Trevino. couldn't hit for some reason. Trevino walked it off. Did yeah, you see? I mean, we, did you see Clark Schmidt? Clark Schmidt gets oh, that the play line drive, sick. throws the it back to second, play. and then that he runs sick. off the mound. Dude, he was hucking hundred and one miles an hour. Where was that last night? I'm just kidding. I but, mean, yeah, that guy, <laughs> that guy last night, Paredes, oh, he was just off. Like that was one of those things where he it's just like they, they try. Like, and I'll say this: home runs. yeah, just wait, to, wait till what I say later about it because it's 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 actually kind of funny how how the Rays kind of just manage their, uh, you know, sort of sort of roster and how they move things around so quickly and mm. just without you know. So, what else do I want to talk about? So we, so the Rays came to town and we swept them. I mean, we just, we just swept. I don't really know what else to say. Some of the games got a little, you know, nail biting, but yeah, so cool. (laughs) Yeah, that other angle that they put everyone posted where it was like it looked like a movie. Yeah, he he had a huge week. Yep. Good for him. Got You're at that game, home. too. I was at that game. You, you yeah, that could have been at two one. walk-offs, and you left one. I was at two 2-1 two, games. Yeah. So the bats just take off when I'm there. I guess I can't go to any playoff games. But yep, that's what it takes. No, yeah, they just, like, I feel like we get so comfortable when we just know we're going to pull it out. Yeah. And then, we, like, I don't know. You're not going to be able to hit every day. Like, it's just baseball. No. Yeah, we just keep finding new ways to win, like I said. But Garrett Cole was, was pretty legit against the Rays there. Like, at home, he was he had a really nice outing. Um, he did. He, he struck did out job. everybody. He struck out everybody, and he was really – he just really looked comfortable. And, you know, coming off that terrible start in Minnesota, like, he needed to bounce back. Like, if he had ba- had a bad start – if he had had a 2021 Rays start at home, we may have sent him to the moon. Like I would have been enraged if we, and I know we end up sweeping and it probably would have been two out of three, but it's just Garrett Cole needs to be good. And he there's always, no, always, always, he just has to be good. And especially with, you know, some of our pitchers looking a little different lately. And I, and it's just baseball. Like I said, the hitters you know rise to the occasion and the pitchers kind of, you know, fall a little bit. There's gotta be a bounce. We're going to keep winning games and we have been, but it's, you know, oh, Garrett Cole's got to be Garrett Cole because he's one of the more reliable, hopefully one of the more reliable guys in our rotation. Hopefully. I feel like he can't like pitch to contact. Oh no, no, it's it struck out our home run, or which is terrible. Or like I don't want, I don't no. want that. I don't either. He's a he's he pitches like a relief pitcher. It kind of feels like that. He kind of pitches like a controlled Aroldis Chapman, where it's just like yeah. You're just like in the zone, in the zone, in the zone, in the zone, home run, strikeout, home run. It's, it's really, it's really kind of like, dude, get a ground ball pitch. Like, well, he has developed that new cutter, which like, oh, that he started using. And yeah, right. And yeah. And it's, it's been great. Yeah. I already, I already scrapped a pitch before his last start, like after the Minnesota. Like one pitch he threw zero times. Maybe I, thought, I, I saw him like throw it a couple times against Tampa. I could be totally wrong. Could be a different pitch, but regardless, he needs to get a pitch where. Well, he used to or, throw a sinker, but Houston, Houston. Well, made. that was the sticky stuff stinker. Like that's just no, 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 no. He was throwing it in Pittsburgh, and oh. he, he got to Houston and they scrapped the sinker. Yeah, that makes sense because he wasn't. But Tyone used to throw a sinker on Pittsburgh. Came to the Yankees wasn't throwing it 
got shelled, had a revelation, and threw the sinker again, and he's the pitcher he is right now. So he's, yeah, he's good. And so yeah, in a perfect world, Garrett Cole throws a sinker and it works. Um, but that's just any pitch the that. But the mud out. I came out yesterday. MLB is requiring muddy baseballs at every single ballpark, and that should be really good for just consistency. A guy like Garrett Cole gets mentally spun off by little things. And I guess when you, when you're a pitcher and you're giving it your all and you can't because of the baseball, I get it. I do. But now every baseball has to be mud rubbed and he, he might just start, you you might just start seeing a difference. You just might start seeing a little bit of a different Mm. kind of pitcher. And we kind of just are the last couple outings. So he dices Rizzo goes deep. I don't know how much more to. Well, we had a we had an opener game with Clark Schmidt. It was the Rizzo game. Clark Schmidt, Ryan Weber. This guy came out of nowhere. He's not even on the Yankees anymore. Um, so just an all around good series. It, it felt good to really mm, just sweep sure. the Rays and put them in their place. Kind of felt like 2019 when we would just beat them every time. Um, yeah, we so, have gotten some nostalgia just beating everybody again. It's been the, a while. It has been a while. So if you want to take a look at the all-star ballot update, and I'm a big all-star game guy, and Luke's not really a big all-star game guy, and it's I get it. It's not for everybody. It's just been kind of like a it's a nostalgic thing for me. I'm a big – I just like to go see my my players out there. There's the link right there. Um, so – I'm looking at it and, you know, like I said, big all-star game guy. I kind of know how this works. The Blue Jays always get a bunch of votes and that's just how it is. They have a whole country backing them up and you could be like, oh, well, there's Yankee fans all around the country. Well, it, it doesn't work like that. There are New York is just so big. So it's you, you got all of Canada voting for their guys. It kind of was like this with Kansas City the other couple of years ago, maybe 2015, 2016, but this is different. Alejandro Kirk has the third most, third most votes. And I believe the American league. Yeah. In the American league, just a meme. It's a meme. And he's got a whole country voting for it. So our guy, Jose Trevino, who Trevino, sorry, who, yeah, maybe he doesn't start. Okay. And maybe he'll just sit at second in the rankings, and that's beautiful. They'll make the team. But Kirk has almost 700,000 more votes. <laughs> I mean, Trevino's on the Yankees, right? So Alejandro Kirk is a million votes. You move to you move to first base. Okay. Vlad, Vlad's the leader. Vlad, Vlad can start any year. Although Luis Arias has 307,000 votes, and that needs to change. Um <laughs> So you move to second base, Altuve. Okay, all right, whatever. But then it's 710 for Altuve, 522 for Espinal, 514 for Andres Jimenez, and then Glaber Torres is 379. And he's having better years than all three of them. So that kind of bothers me because now Glaber's not going to make the all-star team. You might make the final vote, but probably won't. Rafael Devers. Third base over Jose Ramirez. All right. Whatever. Bo Bichette? No. Just no. And I know Luke just, just wants to go nuts here because he just doesn't like Bo. And Bo's having a fine year. It's just not good. It's not great. It's like it's like between good and fine, it's like right there. And it's it's just for his standards, it's good not for his. power numbers. Sure, like he's, it's mid. It's pretty much mid everything else. He's got okay. He's got like sixty thousand more votes than Tim Anderson. But I mean, Tim Anderson's hitting Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson's hitting like three sixty, and he's got like an eight hundred thousand OPS, and he's just much better. And I know it's early, and we got our guy IKF sneaking in there fifth more votes than Correa. Um, really? That's yeah. funny. Uh, DH, Jordan, whatever. He can be the DH in the All-Star game for the next 23 years. Uh, and then Judge Trout, Springer, and Stanton 
one, two, three, four. I'm actually kind of surprised Stanton's fourth. I really am. And then Gallo somehow fifteenth. Yeah. Who let that happen? Where's Aaron Hicks? Where's Aaron Hicks? I mean, if Gallo's fifteen, I didn't know all Hicks, of Italy was voting for him. Yeah, if Gallo had eight, if Gallo was fifteenth, Hicks should be in the like starting. That's ridiculous. I why just is it like, like that. I don't. This is why I don't like the All Star game. Like it's just like. Yeah, right, yeah, let's have a Blue Jays team. They're 12 games out. Blue Jays celebration team. They so, haven't done anything. Glaber Judge both deserve to be on the team. That's just what it is. Yeah. Nestor Cortez deserves to be on the team. That's just what it is. Luke and I talked. It's either Tyon or Montgomery. They're not going to put both. They probably could, but they won't. They're both pitching great. Garrett Cole, it it really depends how he might just get put in because he's Garrett Cole. He did yeah, last like year. Stan. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, Stan's always been a DH. He's actually getting outfield votes this year, which is different. So he's he's it. It's yeah, he said no. Yeah, he wouldn't get if he was a DH because Jordan. Yep. Right. And then Michael King should, but he probably won't. And Clay Holmes because of Holmes. Yeah, because of Holmes. So that's. Probably. So, I think five All-Stars on a probably, if you had to guess, how many wins do you think the Yankees right now are going to win? In the whole season? One. One eleven. One eleven. So or 109. Not 109. Either 109 or 111. Okay. The 2001 Mariners went 116 and 46. I don't want to break it at all. All right. I don't, I don't want to break that record. We'll Those lose are expectations that I don't want. You could clip that. If we break that record, we're going to lose it in the playoffs. Maybe the first round. You may not win a game in the playoffs. We might get swept at mm-hmm. home against the Indians. I mean, the Guardians, who are now in the playoffs. Over the Rays. Booyah. That's good. I've been, I've been saying it. Look out for the Guardians. Galaxy. We can't beat that record. Can't. It's got to be one, 112 can't. or 113. That's what I'm going with. I almost like we'll go we 113. Like, we'll punt in September. I don't care. Actually, 112. It's a, then it's a round, round the loss number. So after sweeping the Rays. We're going into our gauntlet of a schedule. We sweep the Rays. Now we're going to Toronto. And Toronto is obviously just not the most ideal place to play. In game one, the Jays grabbed an early lead. And we could have just lied down, laid down with dogs. We could have just, you know, took the day off, whatever. But we didn't. And we just, we, we literally stuck it to them. I think we scored seven runs in an inning. Like bing bong. Oh my god, we were winning that. We were losing that game. We won 12 1. Yeah, we were losing one nothing. And then we just stormed all we, the way back. It was I was at it was dinner. Great. It went from 1 0 to 10 0 really fast. So yeah. I, was just, oh, I guess we're gonna blow them out here. Then game two comes around. And all right, like Alec Bono is pitching, not the best matchup. JMO's pitching, still we were underdogs. Underdogs. Bases loaded. Hicks comes to the play, and you're like, oh, innings over, right? Innings over, right? Like he's just gonna pop out to third base, right? Foul territory. Nope. Lines it over your new first baseman, Kevin Biggio, and to right field. And it cleared the bases. And it was a three-run double. And it was amazing. And we won because of it. And because JMO was just nails. Um he was nails. He was he was so he won nails. the game on one hit. So Aaron Hicks. He has just like Anthony Rizzo, the beloved Anthony Rizzo, was bitten by the May bug. He just did. Like the June swoon, but like the May bug. In the month of May, Aaron Hicks hit 127. In 71 at-bats. Couldn't 
hit water if he fell out of a boat. Okay, fine. Go back to April. In 17 games, he had 49 at-bats. He hit 306 with a 793 OPS, a 426 on base percentage with a home run and 10 walks. All right. How about in the month of June, he's played 17 games. He has 57 at-bats. He's sitting 298 with a 385 on base percentage and a 404 slugging comes out to a 789 OPS with a home run, eight RBIs, six walks. Well, the hits have been important, so it's even like... And the hits have been that's uh, what it is. If as he's hitting recent, a, important. If he's recent. hitting a 780 OPS and the hits are important, that's incredible. Incredible. He can play. That's what was day. wrong at the beginning, was they weren't important, so it felt inflated. And then he was just terrible. And now he's good and it's important. And it's like he's a real piece of the team. If Aaron Hicks was just good, we wouldn't have to trade for an outfielder. We didn't have to give up any prospects. We wouldn't have to spaz and make a trade. It's just how it is. I he could be an outfielder. I know you want an outfielder because you have no belief in Hicks, and I really I have minimal. minimal. And I don't have. I, I'm not. I'm not a true believer. But if if he's good, then let's roll. Gallo stays. Well, yeah, if he keeps this up, yeah, Gallo's done. If Gallo's got to go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's just terrible. If um he has to be a non-factor. If uh yeah, I mean if Hicks was hitting 780 OPS all year and walking a ton and getting the job done with runners on base, then yeah. But we have time to see it because the deadline's a ways away still. Still got like a solid month, five weeks, six weeks. Yep. So yeah, I mean he's kind of like we'll see what happens. Floor fourth outfielder and then Above that, we'll see. Yeah, and a quick note about Aaron Hicks's. Well, a couple things. Currently, this season he's slugging two eighty eight. Yeah, see, like that. So he's hitting. He's got a slugging of two eighty eight. He just doesn't get extra base hits. It's absolutely terrible. And don't get me wrong, but if Aaron Hicks hits a power stroke of any kind, that slugging percentage is going to jump. And so is his 632 OPS. And I would not be surprised if his season-long OPS was started with a 7. It better start with a 7. Actually, it better start with a 7. I'm not not praising a 7. A quick note, like I was just saying, his extra base hit off Alec Manoa with the bases loaded, that knocked in three runs, was his first extra base hit with multiple runners on in five years. <laughs> That's where you really lose me. That's just where, like, I... And I get it. He hasn't played a lot, but still, but like, it's ridiculous. Dude, just run into yeah. one, right? Like, hit a home run, dude. Is that a double? <laughs> yeah, like, poke one against the shift and get to second base. Like, come on. Yeah, we'll see what happens. He's he's not dead. He's, he's very not. much in the picture. He's in the picture. So, game three rolls around, and it's like, all right, we've won the first two, and, like, I'm a greedy person. So, I'm like, we just come into Toronto, and you can just sweep them? Give it to me. Especially in game two, when we ran up probably our worst lineup of the season against one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, and we still won. Let's go sweep. Why not? It took all that to win yesterday's game. Let's win today. Let's let's put out a lineup. Let's win. And we were supposed to. And Luke said it. We were supposed to. And, you know, we used a lot. You know, actually, you know, we used a lot of bullpen arms in game two. We used a lot of King and a lot of Holmes. I'm pretty sure Holmes came in for a four-out save. And 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 King pitched like two innings, so Holmes might be available game three, but King isn't. So when King's not available, and you look at the bullpen, okay, I like to say on the surface, Litke, Castro, Wandy, Marinaccio. Am I missing anybody? I don't think so. Schmidt, but like not Schmidt, but but you know, we just came off a start like a couple 
you know? Yeah. You, you know, we're, we're, so it's like we're missing our to, guys. You get to this game and you're already without Green. You're without Loisaga and you're without Chapman. It's one of those games where it's like, dang, I wish we had Chad Green. Because, like, at least you can, like, put a little trust in him as opposed to Miguel Castro who gets up there, walks everybody, and then just gives up a home run. Like, that was ridiculous. And and and, and Hernandez knew it. You shouldn't be, like, throwing 98-mile-an-hour two-seam fastballs and then know it's, like, and for them just to completely sell out on it and give up a home run. Totally inexcusable. Totally. I understand what Mets fans were talking about with Miguel Castro. I knew this was coming. I did. I didn't think he was this this good. He's been on like nine different teams in his career for a reason. I get Matt Blake's a genius. But you are what you are. So that was a dis that one that one ate me up a little bit. And I was kind of like, dang, like we really lost that game. And then like we won the first game in, in Tampa. And I was like, all right. Let's relax. We won the first game in Tampa. Good win. But I don't like losing those games when you have, I think, a five run lead. Those aren't those those don't sit yeah. well. We Ow. couldn't overcome my yearly jinx and a thin bullpen. Almost did. We almost Aaron did. Hicks, I mean Aaron Hicks big hit in the ninth. He did have a big hit in the ninth. Moved got got it to Rizzo. They should have just I, yeah, I don't know. They so I thought they them, were right? gonna. I thought they were gonna pinch run Izzy for Giancarlo Stanton, and all of a sudden, kind of fluff is just hurt. So yeah, it's hamstring. But... Hamstring. He says it feels good, which is good to hear. But they're gonna take it slow because you know you have this big lead. He's very important to this team. See, he would be a little less important if they still had Tyler Wade. But I'll stand whatever. I mean, Marwin and Tyler Wade. It's like. Yeah, but the thing about the thing about what IKF brings is what he can do on the base paths, and Tyler Wade did it just as well, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think we will have LaCastro for the playoffs. So sure, sure. It's just with an injury right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, for sure. The so Connor Fluffa goes down. They're going to take it slow. Whatever. Marwin steps in. He's done a pretty good job. Um. I was going to talk about Josh Donaldson this episode. I'm going to give him an, another episode to figure it out. Um, he did have a he did hit a pimp home run, and it was pretty pretty cool. After Kikuchi, uh, Kikuchi hit him in the back, um, so that was that was cool. But so then you go to Tampa Bay, and we're going to go over the first two games. You're going to hear this episode if you listen to the Monument Bark podcast, not on Z89 though. Um, you're going to listen to this episode tomorrow which would be June 23rd. You already know what happens in the third game of the series. Either a series win or a series loss. Hoping for the series win, but that's besides the point. Game one, Garrett Cole versus McClanahan. This was a really fun game to watch. It was an entertaining game. There was a lot of Good dead pitching. spots in the game. Anthony Rizzo is just such a New York Yankee. I mean, this guy just wears pinstripes. Like, he's just a... They did the right thing. He might wear pinstripe pajamas i would not be surprised if he wears pinstripe pajamas he's the he's the guy he's the guy and yeah freddie freeman would have been cool and you know matt olson is matt olson and matt olson got a bag but right now i kind of like the flexibility because i'm starting to see how important aaron judge is to this team and if <laughs> we were given matt olson the bag bag and yeah we wouldn't have had to but it would have been ideal because he's got like an extra year I, you know, I worked cool out with this Rizzo because two for 32, 16 a year. All right. But he's got the options and it's like, you know, it's only two years if he stays. So, you know, if he leaves, he leaves. And the only place he's going is Chicago. Like that's the only place he'll go to. And they or stink. Florida. So. Or Florida. And they stink too. So it's like, whatever. I, he wouldn't go to the Rays. The same like Rays. No. No. Yeah, he probably wouldn't want to go there. No, I don't um, and they would have to get rid of Choi, and that's not happening. Um, so yeah, Garrett Cole dominated no hitter into the eighth. So that's really, really good. Um, got a little dicey. Got dicey. It little did, dinky hits. But... Little dinky hits. Clay Holmes comes in. Boone says that he's going to put Clay Holmes in the highest leverage moment, highest, highest lever leverage moments, and he put him in. 
with one out in the eighth inning. So you think it's a five-out save. Gives up a double, then a little infield single, and then it's, you know, then, then it's a tie game. So once they tie it, I'm just not confident. I'm never confident going into extra innings against the Rays. It never really goes well, in the past at least. And boy, did it go well. I mean, see, Donaldson singles, and then Hicks comes up, who's just Mr. Clutch now, because he just keeps getting clutch hits. Yeah. And he just hits a triple. And, like, it was up and away, and he pimped it, but it was fine because he Luke voided it and got the third. Somehow. And it was great. It's because Margo – um, Oh, yeah, he broke his leg. He – I think strained his left knee, but they're really scared. It's like a patella tendon. So he's he's gone. And he was having a really good year though. So that Yeah, that's through. a that's a pin in that's the balloon for them. Yeah, and for they sure. have 14 other players on the IL, including Kevin Kiermeyer, who just went on the 10 day. We can't lose the series to them. I'm sorry. You're just is anybody don't. good on the IL other than Wander? He's a pretty Pretty good one. Well, yeah, he their was entire, he struggling about, this about year, their though. entire bullpen. Okay, fair. Nick yeah. Anderson. When was the last time we saw him? Twenty twenty uh, playoffs. Well, yeah, I thought a guy existed. But is, yeah, Wander was struggling though. Like it just feels like nothing's gone right for them this year. Yeah, no, they're they're in fourth place. Somehow the Red Sox are, are the Orioles creeping. They keep winning. I no. They keep beating the Rays, though. So Aaron Hicks gets the hit. Seven games. Aaron Hicks gets the hit, and that was just so awesome. I was just so happy. Because then you go to the ninth, and then you get Aaron Hicks coming up with the the fly ball that nobody was going to catch. Oh, yeah, no one was catching that ball. No one kept but Aaron Hicks. He's just the clutchest player ever. He, they do that with the inf- the Glaber will just it's roam always, out. It's Glaber just roams out there, man. And it's I don't always know. so sus, and uh, it's it's disappointing. But whatever, cut the ball, we get the win. So game two comes around. I mean, Luke. It was the it was the Paredes game. Like Isaac. Not Isaac. Isaac. I just learned that yesterday. It's Isaac. The Isaac game. So the thing that I wanted to say earlier was so Austin Meadows, Tampa Bay Ray, they fleece the Pirates for him. That's what it is. Austin Meadows was probably the biggest Rays Yankee killer that I've ever seen. Like one of them at least. He would just come in and just over and over and over and over and over. Home run, home run, home run. And he did it from the he did it from day one. Yeah. They trade Meadows for Paredes. Paredes comes in, hits three home runs, and single-handedly beats us yesterday. I mean, that's that's just what it is. Because I was like, oh, they traded Meadows? Like he's like one of the Yankee killers. Like that, that's stupid. What happens? So uh what I, are you gonna do? There's nothing you can do. It was just his day. Nestor Nestor was human again, but it's like he just saw the raise. So I'm not geeking he's about fine. it. He's fine. He's. I mean, he's not going to give up no runs every start, but no. he's fine. He's fine, and he's just gonna. He's gonna make up for it. I know he will. So that kind of kind of does it. I will be at tomorrow's game against the Astros on the field. So we'll have some there cool videos, go. cool videos on some on Instagram. You know, little experience. Hopefully, we win. Pretty pretty sure it's Tyone versus uh the Frambler, but uh. We'll see. Um, Time for us to get that one. That's another guy on the list. Yeah. Be nice to slap him around a little bit. It would be because he's he's a good pitcher, and we Uh I I don't remember the last time we saw. Oh no, we. I think we beat him last year. So it's it is Valdez for sure, and then it'll probably be Tyon. Was he pitching in that Garrett Cole one nothing game? He might have. Who didn't judge it a home run? Needed the. Yeah, uh, we got to start. That team thought they were anything. so cool. That team thought that thought that was so cool. And Gary did it too. 
Yeah, he hit a home run. I mean, and then we blew it because he because of you. My but yearly jinx, my summertime Euro, jinx. the Euro day. Yep. Hey. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and watching. Sorry for a little two week two week delay. We're just enjoying life and working and doing our thing. But winning. No, we're back. We're back. We Not had something Z, to complain on... about. It may have been a little more. Like, all right, we got to get on and do it, but there's nothing too yeah, much. I mean, we're just going to talk about what comes up. We're going to talk about who's playing well, who isn't, and that's kind of just what the episodes are going to be until we really have something to talk about, and that's probably going to be the trade deadline. So that, that'll that be that'll be interesting, but there's going to be a lot more until then. So thank you guys for listening and watching. Social media in the description, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Follow it all. Follow us on Twitter. Our handles are right below us. They always have been. So here they are. I got to start tweeting again. He does. I used to be an every-nighter. He doesn't do it anymore. Thank you, guys. Uh, Peace.